Wow. All right, well, it's great to be here. We've been here for a couple days now. Thank you, uh, Danny and Gretchen, for putting us up. There they are back there. And, uh, yeah, we met a lot of, a lot of you. Uh, we hope to soon meet a lot more. And uh, we, everybody keeps apologizing for this smoke. Uh, but we lived in Kalispell for nine years, Montana, and uh, we, we've seen this before many times, many times. So it's okay. And it's not your smoke anyway. You're, bar- you're borrowing it from somebody else. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoy is uh, when, I, when I get together with other believers and, you know, find all these new brothers and sisters I didn't know I had. You know, we're, we're adopted into the, uh, the family of God. You know, Ephesians, Paul, uh, Apostle Paul talks about us uh, being adopted, you know, that uh, we're his beloved children, God's beloved children. So we're, we're in the same family. I like to know myself how, how you got in the family. How did you get in this family, you know? And uh, so I, I'd like to just, you know, tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, some of you have read my resume, and the, the front of it has a little bit of my testimony. But I, I met the Lord when I was pretty young, about six years old, and it was in a vacation Bible school. Um, but there was a lot of, lot of groundwork laid by the time I hit that point. I was born into a family where uh, Jesus was talked about, where, uh, where we prayed. Uh, we we. I heard about the Lord, and, and so I was ready. So, you know, two things there. One is, uh, you know, my, my kudos to parents who are, are bringing up their, their kids to, to hear about Jesus, to hear about the simple gospel that even a, a six-year-old can understand, uh, you know, that the, the God, the creator of the universe could, could reach down in, in simplicity and bring another soul in, into the kingdom, save me from my, my sins. So families and uh, also, also hats off to uh, people who work in children's ministry. That's so important in a, in a church to reach the children. When I was in seminary, my first preaching class, you know, the, when, you, when you take a class, usually the first thing you do is introduce yourself, right? You go around, everybody says where they're from and all this kind of stuff. But the, the uh, instructor said, this thing's flopping around. The instructor said, uh, you know, one thing I want, I want you to tell us is how old you were when you came to the Lord. And of a class of 12 of us, uh, all but one of us, uh, came to the Lord before the age of 10. And he goes, gentlemen, that's, that's the importance of a, of a good children's ministry. And so, you know, when I think about my, you know, coming, my, my life, you know, being saved at a young age, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the home I grew up. I'm thankful that my parents took me to church where I, where I heard the gospel. And I also... You know, I think of my grandma, Grandma King, who I know from the day I was born, probably before then, prayed for me. Every day she, she prayed. And uh, she, she was a great grandma, very, very positive. She had uh, crippling arthritis that developed when she was in her early 20s. So she lived in a lot of pain 
and discomfort. But, you know, rather than being a bitter person, she was very joyful. And, uh, you know, she was, she was just an encyclopedia of, of verses that she quoted to us all the time. You know, we, we heard a lot of the Proverbs, you know, a, a, a soft answer turneth away wrath, she said. Things like that, you know, she always knew what to say in a situation. But Grandma was a, uh, she was a first grade teacher in a public school, and in those days, she could quote scripture verses to her children. She could, uh, she could pray in class with her, with her children, and she did. And when I was an adult, you know, young adult, and went someplace in town with my grandma, maybe at the mall, We'd run into people. These these adults would run up to her and hug her. Mrs. King, you know, they 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 remembered her. She she was their hero, and uh, she was my hero too. Uh, she was she was a person who prayed. She was a person who prayed for everybody she knew, and uh, I appreciate that. And I'd like to talk this morning about praying for one another. That's that's intercessory prayer. This is a real simple thing, but, you know, let's think about it. Why is it important? Uh, you know, who should we pray for? How should we pray for one another? And our, our text today is from uh, Colossians chapter 4, and Paul gives this verse, uh, uh, 4, 12 through 13, which, you know, a lot of times this kind of verse, I think, when we read one of the epistles, we just kind of read through it quickly and don't maybe pay a lot of attention to it. So this is kind of one of those hidden verses. It's in Paul's final greeting where uh, he he mentions a, a hero, one of, one of these unsung heroes of the faith, this guy named uh, Epaphras. And when we think of the uh, the heroes of the faith, you know, who do we think of? We think of Abraham and and David and Moses and you know, absolutely we should we should think of these guys great men of the Lord, but uh you know, how many would put Epaphras in in their top 10 people we admire in the uh in the Bible? Um yet here he is. Here he is. Paul mentions him actually twice in this letter. Epaphras, uh, you know, he, he was a person who prayed for others. He, he worked hard at intercessory prayer. And so what I'd like to talk about this morning is why it is so important, why it is so critical that we be people who pray for each other, intercessors. This should be uh, really considered a, a normal activity, you know, this this isn't something that just uh, you know super spiritual Christians do. Every one of us needs to be a person who who prays. We're we're commanded to do that, uh, and we need to um, you know look at the world around us. We we see we see a nation that's that's deeply divided. We see families that are hurting, families that are that are broken. We see individuals who are uh, abused. We see uh, churches that many many have closed over the last several months with uh, this this pandemic that's that's going on. You know, brothers and sisters, we we need to be praying for for one another. We need to uh, intercede in prayer with purpose with passion, and with expectation. I couldn't think of a, a P for the, the third one. 
Let's read this, let's read this passage. It's from uh, Colossians 4, 12 through 13. Uh, Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And so here's this, this guy, Epaphras, with Paul, who's, who's in prison and Paul is saying, this guy is, he's one of you, he knows you, and he's praying for you. He's, he's working hard in prayer. And the Holy Spirit inspired this verse for a reason. It's, it's for us to hear. You know, it gives us insight. It gives us insight as to how we should operate as members of the body of Christ. Uh, it, it shows us a, a character of how we should be, how we, we should be selfless and uh, we should be encouraging to each other. You know, this is, a, this is a supportive thing for us to do. It shows us the importance of intercessory prayer, encourages us to pray for one another. So let's, let's talk about the purpose of intercessory prayer. Why should we do this? That's, that's a pretty simple question. Why should we do it? There are a lot of reasons, and I probably won't even hit them all. You'll, you'll think of other things. But first, I'd like to say first that it's God's will for us. We're commanded to pray for each other, uh, you know, both by example and, and command. We see uh, even in the Old Testament, uh, remember the, uh, the Levitical priesthood, the priests and the, the tabernacle and the temple, They what was... Their function, their function was to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Their, their function, their purpose was to meet God on behalf of God's people. Uh, you know, and, and it wasn't just the, the priests either in the Old Testament. It was, it was the prophets. Uh, think of Moses. Moses was, was called a prophet. Uh, he interceded on behalf of the Israelites when they, when they were being obstinate and, and disobedient. Uh, think of the prophet Samuel. Uh, there's, there's a verse uh, in 1 Samuel 12, 21 through 23. A couple verses there. And this is in his farewell address to the, uh, the Israelites. 1 Samuel 12, 21 through 23. Listen to this, especially the last part. He's, he, he encourages them not to turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Listen to this. He says in verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. You know, listen to what he's saying. He says, I'm not going to sin against the Lord by not praying for you. Uh, guess what? This is the Old Testament. We're in the, uh, the New Testament under the New Covenant. And we all, as believers, are called priests, right? We, we serve that function. You know, because of Christ, we... Each one of us individually have access to God. 
We can boldly go before the, the throne of God. So, you know, you don't need a priest or a pastor or some special person who has, you know, a special in with, with God. We, we each can go to him. Uh, Ephesians 3.12 says that. We, we have boldness and access and confidence through our faith in him. And this is the basis of our ministry as, as intercessors. This is it right here. Uh, this, is, this is what we do in this family. This is what we do as the people of God. We intercede on behalf of, of others. And guess what? If we don't do this, what did Samuel say? We're failing. We're, we're sinning against each other, but we're also sinning against God. This is something that we're commanded to do. Second intercessory prayer draws us into God's love for other people and also into, into his work on their behalf. You know, it's, it pleases God to be intimately involved in human affairs, right? But you know what? It also pleases him for us to be part of that. And that's what this is all about. God is drawing us into his ministry. He's drawing us into his purpose for each other, allowing us and encouraging us and giving us that privilege to pray for each other. And there, there are some benefits here. You know, it really brings a lot of change to us as well. Um, one, one way it brings change to us is that, you know, sometimes there's peop- there are people who are difficult to pray for, right? There, there are people who we have difficulty thinking good thoughts about. You know, maybe somebody who's done something to us, somebody who's, who, who means us harm or whatever. You know, you can think of a million reasons. But you know what? It changes our heart. It's really hard to be angry and, and to hate somebody when you're lifting them up before the Father. It changes us. Uh, Jesus in, in Matthew 5, uh, verses 43 through 45 he says, uh, you've heard it said, you shall love the neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. He's saying, this is what we do in this family. If you want to be like your Father, this is what you do. You pray for those who you have a hard time praying for. You know, we, maybe they don't deserve it, right? None of us deserve that, but we, we pray for him. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we do as, as, as members of this family of God. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many of us have lessons that we've learned about this. Uh, several years ago, um, 10 years ago, I think, I was, yeah, I, I experienced some very unfair treatment in, in the workplace. And uh, it, it actually cost me my job. And I never even knew why that, that happened. And, you know, it kind of, it bothered me. It, it, it bothered me a lot. I, I actually kind of became very uh, resentful and, and bitter about this. And, you know, over, over, a, over a period of time, the, the Holy Spirit worked in me to make me realize that I need to pray for that person who did this for me. 
And once I was able to do that, the, the burden just, uh, this burden of unforgiveness and bitterness just fell off my shoulders. Uh, what's the greatest commandment? Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second part to that was love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know, intercessory prayer brings those two commandments together, doesn't it? You know, when we approach the Father in prayer, we're showing our love for him. When we bring somebody in and lay them down before the throne of God, we're showing our love for them. That, those two commandments come together very well in intercessory prayer. Third, intercessory prayer encourages other people. Uh, we're told to be people who encourage each other, right? We should, we should be outdoing each other uh, in, in encouragement. Uh, do you suppose the Colossian believers were encouraged when Paul said, Epaphras is praying for you? He's, he's working hard. He's struggling in prayer for you? You bet it did. Uh, you know, I know that it gives me a lot of confidence and a lot of comfort when I know that somebody's praying for me. A few years back, our, our son, our, our youngest child, was, was hit by a car crossing a street. This, this truck hit him, going 40 miles per hour. And uh, you know, on the way to the hospital, we didn't even know if uh, our, our son was alive. And you know, it meant so much to us to hear from so many people that they were praying for him, that they were praying for us. I've got a nephew who two days ago was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. And uh, he had a transfusion yesterday, and he's going in for surgery today. And uh, my, my sister Shauna is, is being swamped with text messages saying, you know, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for Logan. I'm praying for you. She, she said it brought tears to her eyes. It made her cry to hear that. We get strength. We get encouragement when we know people are praying for us. You give people encouragement, strength when you pray for them. So, you know, what I'd like to encourage us all to do is when we are praying for somebody, let them know. You know how easy it is sometimes just to, just to pray for somebody and they have no idea. And that's, you know, God knows, but it's good for them to know too. It's good to, for them to know that as your brother or sister, you're praying for them. Uh, you know, I, for, for a long time, I found myself, and it just occurred to me several years ago, a few years ago, that, you know, somebody would say something, they're going through something or they ask for prayer and, you know, I would say, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll be praying for you. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to the point where I don't do that anymore. Maybe I'll say that, but I'll say right on the spot, let's pray right now. And when I do pray for them, I let them know that I am praying for them, that, that I have been praying for them. Uh, fourth intercessory prayer takes our eyes off ourself of our own problems. And most of us have plenty of them, right? But it helps take our eyes off the, uh, the issues that we're experiencing. 
It helps us to put others before ourselves, uh, putting their well-being before our own. The Apostle Paul in in Philippians uh, 2, 3 through 4, says, Doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, we, we... we focus on ourselves way too much. We need to, we need to be more outward focused. Uh, Epaphras, who probably was in prison with Paul. You know, Paul says he's here with me and, and he's, he's, he's working hard. Uh, you know, he could have, if he was in prison, he could have dwelt on his own problems. You know, those prisons in first century Roman Empire were smelly, horrible, damp, moldy, uh, miserable places. You know, he could have he could have complained about the shackles around his his ankles that were rubbing his skin raw. He could have complained about the smell. He could have complained about maybe some of the <laughs> some of the people around him or or, or the uh, the guards being brutal to him or whatever. But you know what he was doing instead? He was praying for others. Praying for others. This, uh, I love. I love the way this text says that he's he's struggling for you on. on, He's struggling on your behalf. He he worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Well, this this word for struggle in the Greek it means to uh, to wrestle. It's it's like a fight. Uh, Has anybody in here ever wrestled? I've got a couple of hands. I remember in high school, I, did, I didn't do this much, but the, the couple of times I did wrestle, I, I found that to be a very hard thing to do because you're exerting all your strength, all your strength, trying to fight against this person who's doing the very same thing to you. Well, I know that everybody in here has arm wrestled. You, you get the idea. Like you're, you're doing your hardest, working your hardest to beat that person who's working their hardest to to beat you. That's a struggle. That's a wrestle. That's what he's talking about. Do we wrestle in our prayers for another? We need to pray with passion. We need to pray with, with intensity and we need to be prayer wrestlers, prayer strugglers. Uh, there, there was this popular song way back uh, in the 60s. I, I guess probably a lot of us in here recognize this song. It was uh, a Burt Bacharach song called uh, I Pray a Little Prayer for You. Um, who was Don, Dion, Deanne Warwick, I think, made that popular. And, you know, it talks about this woman, she putting on her makeup and, uh, you know, doing this and that, trying to catch the bus or whatever. She says a little prayer. I say a little prayer for you. And uh, that kind of popped into my eyes thinking, yeah, that kind of trivializes prayer, doesn't it? And the more I actually, the more I think about it, uh, I think, you know, I I say a lot of little prayers. You know, when Chris goes someplace in the car, I I say plenty of little prayers. Lord, keep her safe. And I think that's part of praying without ceasing. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that we shouldn't say all those little prayers. You know, it, uh, our, our prayer life is our conversational life with the Lord. And it's like when I hang out with Chris, if I'm at home or we're hiking or something, 
you know, we're not just constantly talking to each other all the time. You know, a lot of times it's just one little sentence here and there. You know, it's, it's a conversation that, that we keep going. That's praying without ceasing. So that's good. That's good. But I think what Paul is talking about here in this verse is even taking it up several notches, taking it up several levels, praying with intensity, fighting, struggling, wrestling in prayer. Do we do that? Paul says Epaphras is working hard. Now, earlier in Colossians 1.9, uh, I don't know if I have, I don't think I've got a slide for this. It says, we have, we have not ceased to pray for you. So Paul is saying, not only is Epaphras doing this, but all of us are here. Timothy, he mentions, is, is with him as well. Verse 1.3, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And he goes on to, I'm not going to cover this, this text, but he goes on to talk about how he is praying for the people. You can, you can look at that up on your own. This struggle prayer, this wrestling prayer, this, this intense, hard-working prayer is also what Paul talks about in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 30. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You know, he's calling them to, to be like Epaphras, Epaphras. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed when he was in the wilderness or when he was in Gethsemane. The scripture talks about Jesus's intensity being so strong that it was as if he was, you know, sweating blood. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves, do we wrestle in prayer for each other when... Um, there are, the other person is facing illness or disability. To, do we work hard at praying for each other when a job is lost? Do we work hard at praying for each other that our spiritual lives will be strong, that we will be close to the Lord, that we'll know him, that we'll... Follow him? Do we, do we work hard at praying for our, our children, our, our grandchildren? How about our spouses? Husbands, do you pray for your wife? Wives, do you pray for your husband? You know, sometimes the people we love the most, sometimes the people we're closest to are the ones we neglect in our, in our prayers. Do we... Do we pray with intensity about those who are lost? You know, it's so easy just to be out day to day, maybe at the store, maybe at the gas station at work, and we're surrounded by people who don't know the Lord and they're perishing. Do we pray for them? Do we pray for them with with this kind of struggle, this kind of intensity? 
Do we, do we pray for our church? Do we pray for our, our church leaders and those who minister in the church? How about the people who work behind the scenes doing things that we maybe don't know they're doing or we don't appreciate? Do we pray for our, our people in the sound booth and the worship team up here? How about, how about your elders and your, your treasurer? And you get the idea. There's, there are so many reasons to pray for our brothers and sisters. You know, we need to go to this activity with conviction and and with passion. We need to be in the business of being serious in our prayer. Why? Because the enemy is serious in fighting us, trying to bring destruction to us, our country, our our local communities, our our church, our, our families. The enemy's working hard. We need to work hard. People are hurting. People in the, uh, our brothers and sisters in certain countries in, in the persecuted church are, are being imprisoned, sometimes tortured, and, and even killed. Are we praying for them? Uh, many, as I mentioned before, many churches, many churches in America are, are declining. Many are dying. We... We need more epiphrases. We need to be epiphrases. Um, we need to also pray, intercede for each other with expectation. Expectation. Epiphras prayed for the Colossians with expectation. The text says that he was always struggling on their behalf, that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Why do we pray for another, for one another? I, I was talking to Pete last night about this, about, about how we pray. You know, do we, do we pray for things like health, for employment, for safety on the road, things like that. Sure we do. We, we need to. We need to. But what is the passion of heaven? What's the passion of heaven? Is it physical health? Is it full employment? Is it any of those things? No, it's God himself. The passion of heaven is God. Our purpose here as a church is to glorify God, to glorify Christ. And that's what Paul is praying. He's praying, or Apophras was praying with expectation that these folks he was praying for would stand fully mature, fully assured in all the will of God, that they would, with their lives, also glorify God. He was confident that God would hear his prayers, that the Holy Spirit would act in their lives, bringing sanctification, bringing holiness and a, a close walk with the Lord, that their faith would, would grow, that uh, they would experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is what he wanted for them. He wanted them to be in the center of God's will. Uh, it was with confidence and with struggling and with wrestling that he brought them before the Lord with this purpose, with this expectation. So our prayers for each other should be with confidence. Uh, You know, sometimes we don't know how to pray for each other, right? 
Paul himself says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. That's really something coming from the Apostle Paul, right? You, you wouldn't imagine that Paul had any trouble at all knowing what to pray for, but he's saying, you know, my prayer life is deficient. The, uh, the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, what did they request from him? Did he teach them to pray? Uh, sometimes we don't know how to pray for people. You know, maybe the Lord brings somebody to your, to your mind and you don't really know what to pray for. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit will help there. Maybe, uh, maybe we need to think about that person and, and maybe get a hold of them, contact them, find out what's going on, ask them, how can I pray for you? You know, how are you doing? What, what, are, what are your needs? Having, again, having prayed for somebody, it's always good to let them know that, that you are praying for them. And if we're, if we're obedient to God's call to pray for somebody, if he puts somebody on your heart, we can be absolutely confident and have great expectation that since that prayer was God's will, he hears that prayer. He's going to answer that prayer. Pray for another, one another with confidence. Um, yeah, the Spirit is there to help us. In Romans 8.26, it says that. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Our weakness, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep, deep for words. So, you know, our, our, our lack of knowledge and how to pray and knowing how to pray for somebody should attune us to that person. You know, the, the Spirit helps us to love that person. Uh, we need confidence. He's the one who commanded us. He's the, Jesus is the one who gave us that, that example of, of praying for another. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for the, the people you know, some people ask, well, what does it matter? Why, why should I pray? Does it, why should I pray? Does it really make a difference? Does it matter if I pray? I know that's a really common question. Some people feel like, well, you know, God, God knows, what's gonna, he knows what's going on. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen, so why should I bother? He's going to do what he's going to do. I... I don't have a great answer for that. All I know is we're commanded to pray, and we know from the Scripture that God uses our prayer somehow to act on earth, to act in people's lives. James, in, in, in his epistle, talks about this, doesn't he? he when, you know, on this, this subject of praying for another one another. He, he goes on to show us the kind of expectation we can have when we pray. James five seventeen through 18 talks about Elijah. It talks about Elijah when he prayed. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. I love what he says here. Elijah, the great prophet, guess what? He was just a normal guy like us. 
He was just a regular guy who had faith in God and prayed. Elijah was a hero of the faith because he had faith in God. He had faith in the one who answers prayer. Epaphras was just the same kind of person, this this unsung hero who maybe we don't even remember ever reading about. My grandma King was that kind of person. I hope to be that kind of person. I, I hope that for, for all of us. So these, you know, these two verses, almost hidden in the, the back of this epistle, they, they speak volumes to us. You know, even as he was probably locked in this prison cell with, with Paul, he was working hard for the kingdom of God, a true hero of the faith. He knew the power of prayer. Uh, you know, likewise, my, my grandma King, when she was locked in the, the prison of her disability, she had faith. She prayed. And we're, we're sti- the kingdom of God is still seeing the results of, of grandma's prayer, her intercessory prayer. And, uh, you know, each one of us, no matter what our situation, can do this, can be an intercessory prayer, praying for one another. So let's, let's be people who wrestle in prayer with purpose, with passion, and with expectation. Now, I've got an assignment for you. Okay, I'm not going to let you off this easy. What I want you to do is think, think of three people. If you can think of more That's great. But I want you to think of three people. First, I want you to think of a person who you love, who's close to you, and who you've been neglecting in praying, in prayer. Maybe it's, maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it's uh, one of your children or grandchildren. Maybe it's uh, another relative. Somebody who's dear to you, who you've neglected in prayer. I imagine most of us have such a person. The second person I want you to think of and commit to praying for is a person who's hard to pray for. Do we have anybody like that? I think we do. You know, maybe it is somebody who's treated you unfairly or somebody who has spoken unkind words to you, somebody who's neglected you or you name it. There, there are a million things we could say. Somebody who it's hard to pray for because they're just people who are hard to pray for. Third person I want you to pray for is somebody in this church, somebody who's in the ministry of this church. Maybe Maybe it's the, uh, the person who vacuums the rug. Maybe it's the person in the sound booth. Maybe it's the person who's painting the walls. Or maybe it's uh, one of your deacons or, or one of the elders. Pray for that person. Pray for that person. We can go on and on. But just as, as a minimum, this week, what I'd like for you to do is struggle in prayer. For those three people, intercede for them on, on God's behalf or intercede to, uh, for them. 
Pray for them every day. Let them know you're praying for them. All right. Well, let's, let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord God, I, I just pray that uh, you, through your Holy Spirit, would uh, bring conviction to our hearts. Lord, we know that we don't pray as we ought. We don't even know how. Thank you for giving us your, uh, your Holy Spirit, your very presence with us, Lord, to uh, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. Make us intercessors. Make us people who wrestle in prayer. Teach us what that means to, to wrestle and struggle in prayer. And Lord, I pray for this congregation. I know that each person here has their own struggles, their own issues, their, their own friends and relatives and, and people who they're very concerned about. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, your, your hand of, of favor would be on this church as this church humbles themselves and, and prays and, and seeks your face. We just thank you, Lord, and praise you so much. And we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.